Welcome to The Mountain Gardener with your host, Ken Lane. Gardening can be challenging, but with Ken's tips, tricks, and local advice, you'll reap huge rewards. Now welcome your host, Ken Lane. And welcome to this week's edition of The Mountain Gardener, your host, Ken Lane, talking about the landscapes of northern Arizona. And there is a theme that keeps coming back. This is the benefit of having a family garden center. So we're second generation owners. So Lisa, my wife, is a Waters. And so she was one, she was the youngest of four sisters. And so Harold Waters, her father, started Waters Garden Center back in 1962. It was the very first garden center outside of Phoenix, north of Phoenix, Waters Garden Center in Prescott was number one. The very first, not number one, the, the first. Anyway, uh, we've now taken that, and 58 years later, this has just been in the family. It's the DNA. It's, it's what we do. We talk about this at Christmas over the Thanksgiving dinner. We just talk plants. We go through neighborhoods. Go, oh, look at that. Remember when we planted that? Look how big that is. Oh, that didn't make it. Oh, my gosh. We're looking. We just Plants are within our family. And so we just keep a pulse on things. And right now, the pulse, when people come into the garden center, the number one question by far is, when do I prune? When do I prune back lilacs? When do I prune back evergreens? When do I prune back my hedges? When do I prune back my salvia? You name it. We do. Roses. Roses. I've answered that one like five times this week. Let me just cover that for you. Don't feel pressure to prune. The, you're, you're off. You're off the hook. Most pruning is going to be done after the new year, especially your spring blooming plants. You do not want to prune your blooming lilacs, forsythia, quince, rhododendrons, azaleas, anything that blooms first thing in spring you do don't. This is really important if you've got mow and blow kind of maintenance guys. They come in, just chop everything up, blow it off, rake it up, and run. They're famous for cutting back your lilacs and they cut all the buds off. So they've been forming buds for the last three, four, three, four months. And if you go in and prune them now, you'll cut all the flowers off. The health of the plant is just fine, it just won't bloom. Well, the reason you plant a brand new you know, spirea or lilac or it's the fragrance is so intense, so sweet. You want that bloom. All the spring blooming plants, you you let them bloom and then you prune. So you're pruning most of your spring bloomers in April and May. You're waiting. Seems counterintuitive. They'll be fully leafed out. That's okay. Let them leaf, let them bloom. And when they're done, then trim them back. All of your summer blooming plants, this is crepe myrtles and roses, sharons and salvias and potentia. There's, there's dozens and dozens and dozens of varieties of plants that bloom in the summer. Most of your, most of your natives are summer blooming. Those you can prune back right after the new year. Usually I tell folks, relax, enjoy Thanksgiving turkey, unwrap a present, celebrate the new year. We're done with 2020. Yay! Then go prune. Prune after that. You could start pruning now. It's fine. Really what the book says is let things 
go dormant. We need a few more cold cycles. You really want the sap to stop flowing up and down the canopy of that tree or shrub. Right now, they're actively growing. They're actually putting on buds. They're forming new root hairs. They're actively growing. That's why this is such a good time to be putting some evergreens, some of your bigger trees in the ground because they're actively rooting. You really want them to slow down, have the metabolism shut down, and then you start pruning. That's usually after the new year. If you're traveling, you know, you've got a new Class A RV and you're gone for January, February, March, go ahead, prune now. It's fine. It's not going to make that big a difference. There's a few bugs out yet that can still get into wounds. That's another reason you wait till it's cold. So it kills off all those bugs that could get into your pine tree. Ips, Ip, flathead borer, Ip, Ips beetle, bark beetles, tip borers, these kind of things. You kind of wait till it's cold and you don't have any of those. So don't feel like you're in a rush. Things that are more sensitive. I would put roses in that, that column. I would put salvia gregii or autumn sage. It's kind of sensitive. It's a borderline plant. Anything that's zone 7, 8. Uh, so that's not for this segment. That's not for this show. i got a whole show on nothing but growing zones. But really, if it's a zone 7 or 8, which is what most of us are in, um, or a little above, Those are borderline. You want to keep that foliage up there around that plant to help insulate the heart or the core of that plant. After the cold is really done, that's middle of February, March, really, we're done with cold. We'll still get frost. We'll still have a snow. But that biting, freezing cold, that's over with. By by After Valentine's Day, it's kind of done. We're starting to warm up, and you can feel it. Uh, the crocus are starting to bloom now. The, the, the forsythias start to celebrate. They, they open up with those beautiful yellow flowers. So And then the spring just rolls through. You kind of want to wait till you see that. Then you prune your roses. Then you prune your, your salvias, sages, some of your yuccas, that kind of thing. So wait... Uh, don't feel pressure to start pruning yet. I know you folks from Southern California, you think you got to prune. If by Thanksgiving we don't have everything pruned, it's just too late. No, you're you're not you're not in Kansas anymore, Toto. We're, we're here in, in the mountains at, at elevation up at God's country. This is where it's cooler. We're, we've got a different cycle. You folks from the Midwest, uh, not not saying that Kansas is Midwest. I think it is, isn't it? Anyway, where is Kansas? <laughs> anyway, Toto. There, you prune back everything, and then you put you wrap everything in wire cages, and then you take all your, your leaves, and you stuff it around your rose bushes to insulate them, to keep the cold off. We don't do any of that here. We don't get that kind of cold. We're, you're just not in the Midwest anymore. Here, we leave the foliage up on top of that, around the heart of that plant. We let winter do whatever it's going to do. It might damage some canes. It might burn back some canes or damage some of the outer branches, but we're going to clean that up in March and then fertilize it and watch it just come back with new growth, come back with a vengeance. That's the cycle that we're mainly using here at, at once you're above, I mean, Spring Valley, Cordes Junction and above, once you're up, up out of Black Canyon City and you come up here, uh, all of us are, are very similar. Uh, yeah, but I live in Sedona. It's the same. But I live in Cottonwood. It's the same. What about Jerome? 
it's the same. Yeah, but I live in Kingman. I live in Williams. I live in Prescott Valley. We're ah, we're all the same. We're up in God's country. Yes, it might vary by a week or two, but we're all in this zone six, seven, eight kind of plant. We're in the same kind of growing zones. We grow the same kind of plants. So when the last frost date is, that varies by a few days, really, but really doesn't make that much difference. So let the cold do what it's going to do. Then go back and clean up and prune your plants. If anything, if you have not fertilized your landscape, especially, especially your natives, especially your evergreens, it is critical. I mean, I, I can't think of a, a year that it was more important. And the reason it's so important this year is because we're such extreme drought. This has been a hard year for plants. And so those plants are stressed out. If you don't take care of that pinion pine, that ponderosa, those junipers, if you don't take care of those native evergreens out in your landscape, they're, they're going to be at grave risk next spring. You better hope it gets really cold this winter, and you better hope there's a boatload of snow because that's the only way that it's really going to correct this drought uh, and the health of the forest. The forest is really stressed. The bark beetle is devastating entire sections of the forest, and it goes through your neighborhood. And if you, those gardeners that take care of their plants in their backyard, I would go so far as to say not just the natives, spruce, your your pines, your the 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 Italian cypress you planted out there, all of the evergreens are are going to be prone to damage next spring by bark beetle, tip borer, flathead borers. There's all these bugs that go and eat evergreens, but fertilizing them, watering them once a month, keep them healthy. That's what's going to get them through this and just come out strong next spring. That's what keeps them healthy. If let let go by themselves. You'll see some damage next spring, I guarantee. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Join him every week for timely garden advice right for the gardens. Visit Ken where he can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red fox sedge. Fox sedge has striking clumps of red foliage that fades to flocks, giving off a warm glow. An attractive foliage effect in container gardens, perennial beds, and fountain accents. A good choice in poor draining pockets along dry stream beds and beside large landscape boulders. You'll find foxy red grasses, just $17, here at Waters Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. Gardening has always come natural to me. Green thumbs, they just run in the family. So when the Family Garden Center was offered to Lisa and I, we jumped on the opportunity. I've always loved coming to the nursery, being surrounded by all the beauty, helping the backyard gardener and passing on some of that natural magic that happens so easily for me. We aren't just selling plants, we're offering garden success. My name is Ken Lane, owner, and you'll feel the magic here at Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. You've been listening to Ken Lane, the Mountain Gardener, green thumbs learned while working in the Family Garden Center. Now welcome back to the Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane. She comes each week with your garden questions. Just what are the rest of the community talking about? And so uh, right now it's 
it's winter. So those last few fall-colored trees are starting to, to drop or show color. And then mm-hmm. the next windstorm, it's truly <laughs> going to be your evergreens are going to carry you. Yep. So welcome to the studio, Lisa. Thank you. Yes, our maple decided... All of a sudden, I'm dropping every leaf I have. <laughs> what? Of course, the front door has got this pile of, you almost can't sweep or rake or blow enough. Oh, so. It drives me nuts. They all come in the front door. I love the tree, not complaining, but good heavens. That's one benefit of a maple. Maples tend to do that. So they don't just drop a few leaves you know, over like three months. I mean, mm-hmm. sycamores. They're yeah. always dropping leaves. They never stop. Maples show their color and they go, okay, we're done. Fump, and they all drop. <laughs> and then you clean it up once and you're done. Mm-hmm. So put a big pile up there and have the, I mean, we've got a new, uh, our daughter's got a new schnauzer puppy. Yes, Finn. Puppies love to play in leaves. It's amazing. <laughs> put a pile up there, they'll run right through it. Problem with uh, the schnauzer, though, is every leaf sticks to them. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Like a huge Velcro, uh, fur, fur of Velcro. Right. <laughs> this thing's probably, what, five pounds, six pounds? Uh had him the vet last week. He was three pounds, five ounces. He's <laughs> a mini schnauzer. Yeah, miniature yeah. schnauzer. Cute as can be. He's adorable. Little liver, liver and white colored. Yeah. He's adorable. Little pistol. So does Finn uh, like to garden? Are there any garden questions from Finn? <laughs> Well, speaking of maple leaves and that type of thing, um, we'll say this question comes from Finn. Is it okay to use chopped up maple and oak leaves as a mulch for your raised beds and your perennial beds? Absolutely. In fact, I'm thinking about, I'm I'm contemplating an article right now on uh, pine needles because the pine Uh, trees just dropped all their needles too. So what do you do? Oaks, they don't really drop now. But they will in the spring, so there's Some this yeah. there's this uh, cycle that they go through, and so do they compost? Do they do they make a good ground cover uh, or covering? Yes, they do. Very very good. Um, what you don't, especially if they're chopped up, the secret was chopped up. So mm-hmm. take the mower over them, weed whackers, um, big leaves. As the winter hits, they start to compress. They almost create a turtle shell effect. The water sheds off of the leaves, and it doesn't get down into the ground. That's not so good Mm -hmm. for your plants that are in the ground there. But chopped up, they tend to feed through. And uh, and, and quite honestly, the the worms start to break them down better. Uh, Things composted, chopped up things are better. So yes, you can do that. Really, you should not put over about a three-inch layer of that kind of material on top um, because, again, it gets so thick. Again, the, the snow, the rains of winter, it's important to get moisture down into that root area. And so if you get too much, you can almost suffocate the, the soil. So two to three-inch layer spread out over your flower beds, around your roses is great stuff. Oaks and maples, specifically to their to their mm-hmm. point, um, some, be careful not to take all of your leaf litter out from underneath your oaks, your junipers, your pinion pines. They need some of that layering to protect their roots as well. So mm-hmm. you can harvest that, but don't harvest all of it till the ground is just left bare or those plants, the, your natives especially, can become exposed to bark beetle, ips beetle, flathead borers, some stress 
And so it's good to have a two to three inch layer. But if you leave a pinion pine or ponderosa to itself, it'll have a foot and a <laughs> half of pine needles. So to take some of that, harvest it, chop it up, and use it around the yard, great stuff. About a two to three inch layer around your the rest of your landscapes. Okay, good to know. Question for you. So say you had an aspen tree that maybe had fungal issues uh, this growing season. Would you want to use those or get rid of those? Yeah, so if I have athlete's foot uh, <laughs> Please tell me and, and, my, and my shoes and I go, hey, borrow my shoes, you'll be fine. I don't let you know that I've got athlete's foot. You go wear them around and work the gym out for a few days. What's the likelihood you're going to get athlete's foot as well? I don't want to think uh, about that. <laughs> very high. Like it's guaranteed. And so these fungal disease things, which is pretty rare, but if you know you had leaf spot or the leaves are blackened or something, don't use those. Those should go into the dumpster. Don't compost them. Just get them off your property. Don't spread them out to other. other. If you know you have diseased or insects or problems, Mm -hmm. take that particular plant and take all those clippings, all those leaves, all the trimmings, all the pruning, and throw it away or burn it. Mm -hmm. Don't. Don't spread the the problem throughout the yard. So that's my advice on that one. Okay, good advice. All right. So Susan would like to know: Is it too late at this point to fertilize her trees and shrubs? Absolutely not. In fact, we recommend fertilizing four times a year. There is no food in your landscape. There's just the soil has been scraped clean. There's not one living, breathing. You won't find a worm. There's no mycorrhizal colonies. There's no you won't find any, there's just no organics. And so you'll need, you'll find you have to fertilize more often. So we say to fertilize, if you're thinking holidays, fertilize at Easter, that's spring. Fertilize uh, 4th of July, that's summer, right before the summer rains. Fertilize in the, uh, Halloween, that's the most important feeding of all because the plants use that to, to create next spring's leaf buds and flower buds. And then really important for things that are, Heavy feeders, fast-growing plants, or evergreens like uh, big spruce, pine, firs, they turn yellow in the winter, fertilize at the new year. Mm-hmm. So you're right in between the Halloween and the new year. If you not fertilize this fall, for sure, get that on there, uh, especially using organic. We, we recommend using our fertilizer because, well, we made it for us, the mountains of Arizona. It's an organic 744 fertilizer. It breaks down real slow. The plants can use it as they need to. It's a good fertilizer. Just chuck and go. Pray for rain. Pray for snow after you fertilize. That'll That's really true. activate things. Very good point. All right. Dan in Prescott Valley is contemplating using a living tree this year for yeah. Christmas tree. Wants to know how long can it be in the house, and is there certain varieties that do better than others? Sure, and that's really where we specialize. We we well, actually there's been a trend, a tremendous trend, uh, to living trees. I think part of it's we've got such growth here in the local area, lots of new houses. Uh, they need more landscaping, so why spend 150 bucks or 100 bucks on a cut tree when you could go plant your tree later? And then, quite honestly, people are tired of that dusty plastic <laughs> stuff. I mean, you open up a Chinese artificial tree, and it just smells of retardants and formaldehyde. And just after a couple of years, it just – it's, it's an allergy thing. Factor. It's just yeah. dusty. So living trees are a great way to go. And so we've just committed all to living trees. The entire garden center right now is just filled with every type you could, you could think of. Going back to the question – 
How long can I leave it in the house? The bigger the tree or the more foliage mass, the less time it can spend indoors because it's going to dry out. So about a week is what we say. If it's a smaller plant, maybe 10 days or so, but no more than a week usually, especially for a big, if you've got something that's you know seven, eight feet tall, a week. When you bring it outdoors, well, when you water it, water it with ice cubes. These plants like to be cold. They don't like to be warm inside your house. So fertilize with ice cubes. It'll slowly, it'll cool down the roots. It'll also, they can pull up more of that ice as it, as it melts. They can pull up more. It's like an artificial irrigation system. Mm-hmm. Um, when you bring it back outdoors, before you plant it, in say January or whenever, put it underneath a, put it in an unheated garage next to your south facing wall let it acclimate to that cold again so you're going from 70 degrees indoors to 20 or 25 outdoors at night let it get used to that for about a week so keep it under a carport uh, next to a wall it's amazing how much warmth your your house throws off let it get used to the cold again and then just plant it right in the ground and it will actually start rooting probably within a week or two after you start putting that in the ground and fertilizing nutrients and it'll start growing again. And then next spring, usually March, April, it's actually, the candle growth is actually elongating and growing. So it's a great, great choice. Mm-hmm. I'm out of time, but let me just go spruce, pine, fir, cypress, cedars, uh, junipers. Come visit us. We'll show you all the varieties of living Christmas trees here at Waters Garden Center. Be right back. You're listening to Ken Lane, a.k.a. The Mountain Gardener. Ken can be found throughout the week in Prescott at Waters Garden Center. Listen each week as he answers timely garden questions unique to mountain gardens. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are blaze maples, spicy mums, glamour kale, and burning bush. Waters Compact Burning Bush is a neat, well-behaved shrub prized for its blazing red foliage in the fall. Looks great when planted with autumn gold sumacs, lilacs, and gold euonymus. At six foot, this bush makes a natural hedge that burns red through autumn, all for $49. You'll find the showiest shrubs here at Waters Garden Center. Siri, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. You might say I've been part of the local garden scene even before birth. My father started the very first garden center in northern Arizona and ran the family business with my mother, even while she was pregnant. The nursery was my preschool, with many joyous after-school hours spent playing in the family business. Waters isn't just a garden center. It's a safe place for kids and pets alike. My name is Lisa Waters Lane, owner of Waters Garden Center, 1815 Iron Springs Road, here in Prescott. You've been listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Join the conversation every week as he answers timely garden questions. Email Ken a question directly from your phone to his desktop through the web at watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Now welcome back your host, Ken Lane. Now this might be just because I've got a lot of water access to Nature just loves our yard. We're on a half an acre up above the high school here in Prescott, up in the Eagle Ridge subdivision. So it's a nice yard, but we've got we've got water for things. And so the 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 dove come in, kind of everything comes into water, get things going. Well, also I've noticed the pack rats and the rabbits and the voles. Voles are a it's a field mouse or just regular house mice. They're 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 active right now. 
You be aware, put that on your radar. Don't let them get into that new RV you just bought. They'll love to look for the warmth. They'll get up into the hood of your car if it's parked at all and strip the wires. They'll get into that built-in grill. They'll come into the garage and build underneath the workbench. They're just they're mischievous. If you hear scratching kind of noise someplace, that's what that is. Don't let it go. Don't ignore it. So they can really do some damage. And so what to do, I'm not here to tell you how to kill a mouse. You know what to do. Uh, but just put it on your radar to watch for that because they're coming from the gardens and they're chilly. They're starting to look for places to roost, to nest, usually in your house, in your attic, those kind of places. So uh, Lisa's grandmother lived up at the base of Thumb Butte for many, many, many years. And the pack rats got up in the attic and she was the... She had the biggest heart for animals, all animals, including rats eating her house. Well, by the time they got done, because she couldn't deal with anything, she, they stripped all the wires in the attic. All the all that wiring up, laying across the insulation up in the attic, they stripped every one of them. I'm surprised the house didn't burn down. Don't let them get in there and do that to your house. We had to rewire the house. Oh, my goodness, that is not right. Vermin, I mean, rats, I'm a southern boy. Rats are bad. <laughs> I don't care how big a heart you got. You don't want them in, in your walls. You don't want them in your grill. You don't want them in your RV. So there's some things you can do. That's where you go talk to your exterminators, your hardware store, Ace and True Value. They can help you figure out how to get rid of those or keep them at bay. Likewise, gophers are also active. So I found some customers are coming with gophers, gopher, pocket gophers. What they have, it's an underground rat, basically. It's about the size of a, of a pack rat. And it's got a pocket, a skin flap underneath its chin. And it's a little pocket of dirt. And they, they take dirt, they dig it, and they throw it in this flap. They walk up the tunnel, and they throw it out the, out the exit tunnel. And so you'll see these little mounds, exit tunnel mounds of dirt showing up in the gardens. They love to eat roots. They eat the roots of your trees, of your shrubs, of your vegetables. They eat the roots of plants. If they happen to run across a, a worm or a grub or something, they'll eat that too. But they're mainly eating the roots of your plants. They are highly, highly active right before the ground freezes. And so they're, they're pretty shallow right now. There's lots of activity going on. What will happen is as we get Closer to the end of the year, usually in January, they'll go pretty deep. They'll go down two, three, four, five feet underground, and they hibernate down there. But what they're doing now is they're actively foraging and eating, and they're eating. They can do a lot of damage this time of year because they're trying to fatten up. So don't let them get into that new fruit tree you just planted. They love fruit trees, aspens cottonwoods, willows. They love the taste of those. I've seen an eight-year-old locust blow over because the, the, the gophers got into the roots and they just ate all the roots off till that plant just fell over and died. It was terrible. It's a huge tree. And so there's something to watch. Now, gophers I can help you with. That's one I'm an expert at. I can show you right what to do. And we got all the tools here at the garden center now, there's three basic ways. There's gas. It doesn't work. Don't bother. It's a mini flare. You throw in the hole, you cover it, and hopefully they suffocate. It doesn't seem to, I haven't had good luck with it. There's traps. This is what your grandparents used. Very effective and 
Very laborious. Oh, does it take the work? It takes at least two traps. You're setting it twice a day. You don't get a go for every time. Sometimes they kick the kick the trap out of the hole. Sometimes they're trapped. You do catch one and it's not dead. That's gruesome because you've got to do something with that thing while it's moving around. Usually it's a shovel to the head, but still just it's gruesome to explain, explain over the airwaves. Uh, but, but I like baits. Baits are dangerous because they're poisons. But if you get it down underneath the ground where only the gopher can get to it and they run across and they go, oh, a free meal. Usually it's a baited seed. Uh, then they'll, they'll get a tummy ache to put themselves to bed. And you'll never see a, a dead gopher. They're always down under the ground, someplace over there. And there's a special tool we have that helps you administer that bait under the ground. The secret there is make sure you stay away from strychnine. They still sell this stuff. I can't believe it's even legal to sell this stuff. But you'll find it at your local boxes and things. Strychnine base is extremely dangerous. I wouldn't even look at it, much less touch it myself. And it has a re-killing action. So if, if, a, if a dog eats the dead gopher, it kills the dog. And if the, something eats that, it, keep, it keeps killing down the food chain. Very dangerous. You want to use a bait that's, that's laced with zinc. Zinc is safer. It's only got a one-time kill. So if, they, if the gopher eats that and a dog or coyote eats the gopher, there's no secondary kill. Much safer, but still use precautions. Be right back. The Mountain Gardener, your source for timely garden advice right for higher elevations. Guaranteed to make a difference in your yard this season. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, Arizona creeper, spicy mums, and glamour kale. Few flowers are more elegant in fall than Waters glamour kale. The autumn colors are perfect for containers, beds, and borders. And it's so easy to grow. This unique Prescott selection is an award winner for cold hardiness, intense red, purple flowers in a frilly package, all for $9. You'll find bright fall flowers here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. If life is a bowl of cherries, why not make them the biggest, sweetest cherries ever? Waters Garden Center is super excited to introduce our new organic fruit and vegetable plant food. This fertilizer has the bonus of added calcium that gives fruit trees and veggies an extra boost to produce healthy, abundant crops. Feed your plants now to help them thrive and grow more fruits than ever in just $27 for a 20-pound bag. Save natural, organic, fruit and vegetable plant food only at Waters Garden Center. You're listening to The Mountain Gardener with local expert Ken Lane. Mountain gardening is very rewarding with a few of Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts sure to turn your thumbs even greener. Now welcome back to The Mountain Gardener. And we are back with Lisa Waters Lane in the studio. She comes and did her garden tips, her garden advice. Uh, I, I love to talk to gardeners because they all have a different angle, different color, different styles. Mm -hmm. It's 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 art. Good good landscape designs are are art forms that you you touch, feel, smell, taste. It it's all the senses. It's truly truly the ultimate art form. Um, and it's good to get different perspectives. And and so this is Lisa's segment. Oh well, sorry, took a little nap. <laughs> you know I. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forgot to tell you, 
Uh, so I've got my executive, you know, mastermind group convened. It's Christian mastermind. CEOs and stuff, dun, dun, dun. and we're going to have a uh, uh, a retreat. Oh, you forgot to tell me where the gals are coming too. So we're trying to look at a resort, and I, I recommended uh, Rancho de los Caballeros in Wickenburg, mm-hmm. a dude ranch. It's got great golf, it's got horseback riding, great pool, vistas, walks. It's got all the stuff. Cowboys sing at night, great food. And so hopefully we can go back. I'm trying to influence. There's like 20 of us, so it's one voice. Uh, but uh, we'll see if we can get back to Wickenburg this winter. <laughs> it's coming, maybe. <laughs> Thanks for the heads up on that, dear. Appreciate it. Uh, what's the one in Tucson we went to? Tanka Verde. Oh, Tanka Verde. That was That beautiful. was the other one that was coming up. But yeah. they don't have a golf course, I don't think. I thought they did. This is CEO. You know, these guys are running. I mean, they have like a thousand employees. It's that kind of level. Uh, we're sharing ideas, making each other better. Uh, they they like. So they don't have time to golf. Well, they don't have to golf. They don't have time for there it. There were a couple that were really into it. <laughs> I don't golf, but I do mountain yeah. bike. Do That's true. Uh, I do like walks with mm-hmm. pretty gals oh. in the forest? Like horseback riding? No, I no. don't like horses. <laughs> Although our first date we ever went on. Was on horseback. You used to ride. Your family had horses, and yeah. you had this big, uh, you know, football athletic guy <laughs> going, "Hey, you want to go horseback ride?" I'm going, "No," <laughs> but if it's with you, okay, I'll be scared to death. Horses pick up on that. They oh, know yeah, enough. They a, do. A baboon's on their back. <laughs> and that was me. And they try to get them off. Yeah, they do <laughs> scrape you off. So anyway, I'll go. If you're going, I'll nah, go wherever you're going. I don't need a horseback ride anymore. No? I did plenty of that. I'd rather mountain bike. Well, not mountain bike. I'd rather ride my bike on a nice trail <laughs> <laughs> or take a hike. Peabine, here we come. Here we go. Gardening. What is gardening? Yes. Give it, inspire us with some garden advice. Well, with, we're not in Wickenburg or Tucson, so we have a little bit cooler temperatures yeah, yeah. here. So we're doing a lot more things inside. And a lot of people are getting ready to decorate their homes for Thanksgiving, Christmas. So we all have a lot more going on inside the house than outside the house right now. So I thought I'd hit on some of the um, unusual succulents that we have. That would be simply gorgeous in your Christmas designing, your Thanksgiving. Uh, they would all match in perfectly. And they're super duper easy to take care of. Can I guess the very first one? No. Okay. No, you can. Of I was course. just thinking Christmas cactus. I mean, just the classic. Uh, it's not really a succulent, but it sure looks like it. And we got some in that was starting to show some color, some bloom. I thought, oh, that's the holiday plant. Mm-hmm. She's going that direction. I thought you were going to go poinsettias are coming next week. There's a funky new color, but that's not a succulent. No. So amaryllis, something you know, holiday-ish, but mm-hmm. bromeliads. Nope, not a succulent. Bro- <laughs> no, but we do have them. <laughs> and those are super fun to grow because they just... They keep their color, whether it's orange or yellow yeah. or red, they keep their color so long. They're really fun. So succulents, what's a definition of a succulent? I have no idea. You tell me. I, I just think of it as a cactus without spines, without uh, thorns. So it's got that thick, leathery, you know, yeah, fleshy. Fleshy leaves yeah. or branching, but some With have a lot more thorns, character, though. some don't. More character. So a couple of the ones that we have, some aloes that we have in. Now, all of these succulents are indoor succulents this time of year. You put them outside, you're going to have a black, soggy mess by the time 
you, yeah. re- you know, look at them in the morning. So these are all indoor ones. Uh, but we have a safari sunrise aloe and a safari orange aloe. Oh, neat. So real pretty, just an aloe plant with that very typical foliage. But they also have blooms on them. Oh, neat. And the, the safari is kind of an orange yellow and the uh, African orange is orange, believe it or so not. So this is the same aloe that you could, if you have a you know burn or a cut, it's medicinary. This is not medicinal. No? It's not okay. a medicinal. What We do have medicinal aloes, yeah. which do terrific in a nice bright room. Um, these aloes, I think they have a lot more character to them. I think they're um, prettier to put in decorative pots and they just have a lot more character yeah. to them. Um, the medicinal aloe has a place, and I think every home should have one for those yeah. boo-boos that you have. But these are just more um, designer-looking. Yeah, style. There you go. There's one called a guido aloe, which is really kind of cool because it has more... Most of your aloes are, are green. You know, They may have a little bit of variation in them. This one has a lot of white to it with oh. just kind of like specks of green. I missed in it. that. I'll go take a look at that yeah. after the show. That sounds, sounds interesting. So huh. it's, it's very unique, yeah. but very, very pretty. Um, we also have some great trunk jades. So to me, they're very, um, oh, bonsai looking. Okay. You know, because you've seen a lot of that big trunk and they have a big, yeah. thick kind of trunk to them. And then the, the foliage, the fleshy foliage is more up top and they have a really unique growth pattern. So if you're kind of into that bonsai look, but you kill every bonsai you've ever <laughs> had, <laughs> yeah. um, the trunk jade would be an excellent, excellent so jades, plant to put in. Those, some of those live, I mean, we've talked oh, to some yeah. customers, they're passed Years. down generation to generation, mm-hmm. or they'll take cuttings, right. start them, and give them as gifts to everyone mm-hmm. else. It's that kind. It's that easy to mm-hmm. grow. Oh, definitely. And then we have just our regular kind of jades, too, which are real popular. The fire stick or pencil cactus. Uh, it's another really cool one. And I was thinking, oh, you know, for the holidays, because they have like these little branches all off of them. I'm like, you could hang little, you know, red oh. and gold yeah. uh, Christmas balls on them. Little twinkle lights, it'd be really cool. So it looks like a whole bunch of pencils (laughs) growing up off the trunk, kind of thing, with little tiny leaves at the end. Mm -hmm. Very southwestern looking. If you got an Adobe or a new southwestern style house, boy, that's the one you want in the living room to feature. Mm -hmm. You know, probably a nice bright room, and it's going to grow for years. The more light that it receives, the more of a red look those stems will have more yeah. of a red to them which is why sometimes it's called fire stick if it doesn't get enough light it doesn't go as red but it still has a real unique yeah. character the way that it grows and it's just more green mm. so those are pretty cool we also have a string of bananas what so <laughs> you, if you have a spot to hang a real cool kind of different succulent plant string of bananas uh, it's green but they just look like all these little Bananas hooked together coming down really? off of So it's there. a draping. Or it drapes. Tra- mm-hmm. Oh, neat. Mm-hmm. Really pretty. Um, we also have an Echeveria. There, there again, this is an indoor one. So Echeverias are in the hens and chicks family, uh, which a lot, of, not a lot of them, but some we can grow outdoors here and they're actually go through the winter and they're terrific. These do not. These are strictly an indoor one, but beautiful color. They have kind of a purpley pink uh, rosette color yeah. you know the way that they grow it's just really pretty that'd be gorgeous at a as a focal point 
mm-hmm. on a Thanksgiving table or something. Just oh, a, yeah. a dinner, you know, just dressing things up to mm-hmm. show them off. Its name Pearl is glitter on top of them. Oh, now you're getting fancy. <laughs> uh, its name is a Pearl von Nuremberg. Say that ten times fast. I can, but it also make a really pretty uh, gift, hostess gift, if oh, you were yeah. going somewhere. Sure, fun. Elephant food, which is another. <laughs> Really, it gets big. So I've seen some of these that are just absolutely huge. But it has a real pretty uh, red stem to it with the with that fleshy full green foliage on it. So real pretty. Also, we are getting our poinsettias and our Christmas cactus. Yay! Where we started <laughs> from. I thought that's where you're going to go to begin with. So great, Lisa. Lots of house plants, lots of decor, lots of garden choices. Mm-hmm. The, the store is filled up with yep. kind of awe-inspiring, funky, different, beautiful plants here at Waters yep. Garden Center. Ken Elisa Lane and the Mountain Gardeners, we will be right back. Look for more tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts through Ken's website. Podcast the show, read his weekly garden column, or follow him on Facebook and Instagram at watersgardencenter.com. That's Waters with two T's, GardenCenter.com. Waters October companion plants that grow well together are Burning Bush, Arizona Creeper, Spicy Mums, Glamour Kale, and Prescott Blaze Maple. Prescott Blaze Maples have extreme growth of three feet or more each year. The fall color glows like embers in a blaze hot fire. Thus the name. There's no better red maple to plant locally. Perfect for patios or any place shade is needed. And a big, bold tree is just $149. You'll find the best fall shade trees here at Waters Garden Center in Prescott. Gardening and you don't know where to start? Waters In-Home Garden Service comes to you and identifies what you have and how to make it better. Design advice, water strategies, vegetable and flower gardens, soil and food needs, and problem solving. Always problem solving. You'll instantly be a better gardener. All for just $200 of expert time with a coupon to fill your garden dreams without ever leaving home. In-home garden consultations from Waters Garden Center. We can be at your home this week. Welcome to the Mountain Gardener with Ken Lane. Gardening in the mountains is different. Listen to Ken's tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts guaranteed to make your gardens more beautiful than ever this year. Now for better advice that works locally, welcome your host, Ken Lane. Some of you brought that beautiful geranium and you cut it back, cleaned it up, and brought it indoors. And you're going to enjoy geraniums indoors for it's now a houseplant. And you'll take it back outdoors next year. Now, I don't do that. My geraniums get way too big. They're just, they're just, it's, it's too easy to $5.99. You get a brand new and start over. And so I don't really want, and I want a new color, a new fragrance. So I don't bring as much of my outdoor stuff in. A few things, but not too much. Some of my borderline plants, I, I love cacti, different freakish kinds of cactus. So barrels, I've got a, a red fish hooked barrel cactus. Super unusual. It's a zone eight plant. I'm in a zone seven. So it gets too cold for that plant in my gardens at my house. But I've got it in a container. I bring it under the cover, the front door. I put it next to the house, to the wall. So it gets some radiant heat. And it's just enough um, insulation, just enough to take the edge off where that plant is years old. It's quite large and doing very well. I've got a Mediterranean carpet, uh, 
cacti that's that's soft. Very unusual cactus. Uh, that same way, it's zone eight, but I bring it under doors, have it in a container. I've got a Mexican fantail palm. It's magnificent. It's in a big container. It's a big plant, but I shift it out. Usually I've got a, an English ivy by the front door, a topiary thing. I went, okay, ivy's tough as nails. I'm going to throw that thing out. You're out and f- you're just exposed. And now my palm tree is undercover by the front door where it's got two walls kind of touching it where it's in s- the house throws off enough heat where it just takes the edge off. I've created a microclimate that is a zone eight in just the right spot outdoors in my gardens for these exotic plants. Quite honestly, most, most of the gardening, it's indoors. You got to go. You got to commit indoors. I can't wait for the first point set is coming out. I think they're going to come next week. Some of the holiday plants are starting to show up. Usually it's the week of Thanksgiving, but okay, we're right here. Um, but the point set is will be there. The Christmas cactus, they're already here. Got lots of colorful bromeliads and African violets and dracaenas, lots and lots of plants. We're we're shifting the interest here at Waters Garden Center, at least, to indoor tropical houseplants. Part of that mix are super unusual succulents. Succulents are sort of like the cactus I was mentioning outdoors, but there's no thorns to them. They have an interesting look to them like that, but, you know, character, their architecture, they're just funky. They got funky colors from greens to blues to reds to pinks. It could be an aloe. It might be a, a, there's all kinds of succulents. I kind of define them all in the same. And there's a whole series of cacti that we bring in. Very unusual, funky, different, fun. I call them hideously beautiful plants because they're just so unusual. You can't look away. God, I can't believe God made something like that. That's wild. I was going to go through and describe, had a whole list. In fact, this week's garden column was on succulents. You've got a picture. If you're part of our Waters Garden Club, look for that. Check your spam folder. If that's of interest, check our blog. It's on our website, watersgardencenter.com. There's a blog button. It'll be the top post because that was this week's garden column. Take a look. I was going to describe them, but how do you describe something with... It only gets four inches tall with big lobed leaves and red warts all over the top of the leaf and a shiny silver underleaf. I mean, I could go on and on, but it's hard to describe over the airwaves. I thought, well, what do I do? I think what I'll do is I'll give you a place to where to plant, how to plant, how to grow great succulents and cactus. They're kind of in the same league. And really with cacti, they like to be root bound. So they might come in a two inch, a four inch, a six inch, even an eight inch, really big ones. I've even got some that are 15 gallon, huge instantaneous tree cactus. I mean, they're just big. They get heavy. But most cacti and succulents like to be root bound. They don't mind small, very small spaces. It's okay with, with them. So don't be in a hurry to, to shift them or find another type of container to put them in. Many times I'll take them home and just sleeve them. I'll have a pretty pot because, let's face it, the grower's pot they're in, it's kind of ugly. It's a plastic black thing. No one wants that in their living room. You want a fancy glazed, pretty you know, white pot with a, with a blue. You want, you want some style, whatever your style is. So sometimes I'll just take that and put, 
put it in that new pot, and it's just a sleeve. I didn't actually plant it. It's just there for decoration. I actually have it in the original grower's pot, and I've used the decorative pot just to host it, to, to, to sleeve it, is what they call it, to just hold that plant for now. If you do replant, which is perfectly fine. In fact, if you go to the next size up in container and, and, and you plant it right, it'll probably live in that pot for years without ever having an issue. The secret, though, is use a good cactus mix. So certain kinds of plants need very specialized potting soil. And two plants come to mind, three really, African violets, they need special soil. Uh, orchids, they need special soil. And cacti, they need a cactus mix. And what that is, it's, it's, it's regular potting soil, but usually they'll front load it with a lot of perlite. This is this white, white chunks of rock that are in there, but they add a lot of air. Uh, but cactus are very sensitive to soggy soil. And so you, you, you want to make sure when you water that, the water gets moist, the soil gets moist, but then it breathes really well. That's the secret to great, healthy, I would say aloes, succulents, cacti. They're all in that same, calanchos. They're all sort of the same. A good, breathable cactus mix. What's different about orchid mixes, just while we're on that soil topic, Orchids naturally grow up in the air, up in the crotches and branches and structure of another host tree. They're pulling moisture and food from the air to feed the root structure of this orchid. That's how they naturally grow. And so you want a soil that not just breathes, really breathes. And so usually it's almost like shredded bark or very chunky type of, I've got a couple different types of, of orchid soils. If you ever want to transplant an orchid, come talk to us. We've got experts that just know how to do this. There's two types of soils that we have. One's more of a bark mix. One's a soil with with big chunks in it. But it's made so that the roots can breathe but get the moisture from that root zone. It's critical. African violets the same way. African violets are, are, are a richer soil mix. African violets do not like to have moisture of any type on their foliage. They'll spot and get diseased. They just get ratty looking. If you get any moisture, you want to water them from underneath. You want a soil that where you can take that pot, set it in a sink, or in a special, they make special African violet pots, where you it fills with water. You, you set this porous pot in there, and the water is absorbed up from the bottom of the roots up to the structure of that plant, where the foliage never gets moist. This is critical for, for African violets. Very, they got this soft velvet, almost, yeah, like a velvet type of foliage. And the water gets in there and they just spot it. And you'll never get the spot off or disease starts almost instantly. And it starts feeding on the leaf. And all of a sudden you've got a, a plant with just a few flowers and no foliage. It's a terrible way to die. But they make a special soil that allows that wicking action from the bottom to the top. It's a special soil for that. There's special fertilizers for that. So just be aware, cactus, they love to grow in a bright room. Succulents of the brightest room you have in your house. This is where big bay windows are great. South-facing, super. Probably also keep all of these new house plants you're getting, keep them away from the heat source. They don't like to be next to the fireplace. They don't like to be next to that registry where it's blowing hot air all the time. That messes with their foliage. It dries out the soil too fast. So keep them just off of that. 
to have direct sunlight through a window to a cacti or succulent, they'll like that, actually. Aloes, they would like that. Uh, they don't mind. Your regular houseplants like dracaenas, uh, uh, palms, uh, ficus, uh, snake plants, peace lit, they don't like to be direct sunlight. They want to be off a bright room, but off to the sidewalls. But a, but a succulent, they don't mind. A desk right at there overlooking your gardens where sun hits the edge, front edge of that desk. Cactus and, and, and succulents would love that type of environment. That's why they make such good uh, office type of plants. They're low care. They'll take almost anything you give them. If you're in an office setting, I would say use full spectrum lights up overhead, especially if you're on an interior uh, office wall, just to give them enough brightness to keep them healthy. That's how you grow succulents in your house. You're listening to local garden expert Ken Lane, the owner of Waters Garden Center. He can be found throughout the week at Waters Garden Center, located in Prescott at 1815 Iron Springs Road. Thanks for tuning in to The Mountain Gardener. Waters companion plants that grow well together are blaze maple, burning bush, spicy mums, glamour kale, and red wall creeper. Waters Red Wall Creeper is specially selected to dress up those miles of stockade fence. A mountain vine with rich green foliage turns fire engine red through autumn. Waters Native Vines are just $49 and both deer and rabbit proof. You'll find the showiest vines here at Waters Garden Center. Google, give me directions to Waters Garden Center. Wondering why the grass is always greener on the other side? Well, it's probably because your neighbor used the all-purpose fertilizer from Waters Garden Center. Monsoon is right around the corner, and it's the perfect time to feed your plants. Waters All-Purpose Fertilizer is the only organic made especially for Arizona mountain soils. Don't buy a bunch of different fertilizer for your flowers, veggies, trees, or grass. This one does it all. The plants on your side will be happier, healthier, well, greener. Safe, natural, organic. Waters Garden Center in Prescott. You've tuned in to The Mountain Gardener with local garden expert Ken Lane. Join him each week as he answers timely garden questions that are sure to make a difference in your gardens. Now welcome your host, Ken Lang. You know, I was talking to friends this week. We were just discussing gardening, of course. Surprise, surprise, surprise. Uh, Gardening. Why do you garden? Why do you like gardening? What, What was it about this year the gardeners came out of the woodwork. And we just got to discussing this, and, and what a theme that came up over and over was it was something you could do because you couldn't travel, you couldn't go to the theaters, you couldn't get out much, but it's something you could do out in your in your space. You felt safe. It was a public, it was a private public place. You were outdoors, we're exposed, but it was your space. And, and folks wanted to be out there. Uh, we saw phenomena, um, families, big time, were at the garden center. Now, we usually see families, but not to this extreme. This year, there were a lot of families. And I think it was schools were closed. I think also it was screen time. How many hours have you spent, I mean, screens, your computer screen, TV screen, it's mind-numbing. And I've gotten to the point where I can't learn anymore on Zoom I think I got it. I mean, I'll get a few nuggets, but man, my eyes start to glaze over and I just have to get out. Got to get some fresh air. I got to get out and get some sunshine. You can sit on a seat behind a screen too long. And I think we saw that with schools being shut down and morphing and how you, how do you educate 
I think families were in as an educational piece. Uh, how do you grow plants? As a exercise piece, how do we stay fit? And mainly just decompress. I don't want to think anymore. I just want to nurture a plant. And so we saw entire family units coming in, husband, wife, mother, fathers, kids. It was kind of exciting. The, the millennials, they love gardening and they love organic gardening. They want it safe, natural, organic. And so we tend to have that. And we're a big open space. And so it felt safe here at the garden center. There's masks on all the folks, social distance, all the stuff you'd want. Uh, We tried to really think through every touch point so that you felt safe, but yet could touch and feel the plants. So these are some of the themes that kept coming over and over and over in the conversations. Uh, Part of it was exercise and just staying healthy. You can't get out as much as you used to. And so this is something, there's actually some real science that gardening's very healthy mentally and physically. Uh, Nurturing something, just the exercise of digging a hole and nurturing a plant and taking pruners and digging shovels. There's something therapeutic about that physically and mentally. And there's science to back that up. Trees. Planting a tree, that is the best environmental thing you could do as far as young trees provide more oxygen than an old, mature tree. And so, so trees are one of those, the younger, smaller they are, the more active, the better they are for the environment. Uh, so there's just because of how they release carbon and take in oxygen, just kind of, they, they do this transfer, they make your surroundings. Now, big trees, they're better for shade. They reduce heat. And cooling bills, they cut down the wind, they make your environment more you know, easier to live in. So there's, there's pros and cons to both. But young trees actually take in more carbon and release more oxygen per however they measure that than anything else. That's some of the reasons I'm hearing for gardening this year. I don't think that changes just because you're, you're now indoors. I think indoors you can have just as much therapy, enjoyment, Gardening in, indoors with your houseplants and starting seedlings and, and having air plants as you can outdoors, and, you know, cutting lilacs and growing a new fruit tree. Ken and Lisa Lane, we're here at Waters Garden Center throughout the week, and we love talking to fans of the show. If you want a more fruitful garden, increase success in your landscape that just feels better, then tune in every week to The Mountain Gardener. Years of tips, tricks, and garden shortcuts are guaranteed to make your gardens nicer than ever. Listen to this podcast or read Ken's weekly garden column by visiting watersgardencenter.com. That's waters with two T's, gardencenter.com. Thanks for tuning in.